Welcome to the Kinja's Podcast. Here we will discuss dance, life, and whatever the fuck we want. Folks, today we have Lil Buck in the pod. This was my first time actually meeting him. Outside of him just being an incredible mover and him having worked on so many really, really dope projects, I think the thing that came across to me in this episode that really stood out was uh, or is his passion and why he's going so hard at dance. And he talks a little bit about um, growing up um, in Memphis and kind of growing up in a tough neighborhood and him just kind of realizing that dance was the only thing that he really ever really cared about and poured himself into. And obviously with where he's at in his career now, he's obviously doing amazing things. But that passion and drive that he has was something that I found to be really inspiring, especially because um, I resonate with that. I think uh, not feeling that I was the most talented person in 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 uh, whether it be in school or, or things like that. But I think for him, he was, uh, yeah, he just kind of like really quadrupled down on his one thing, uh, and which is dance. And I, I just found that to be really inspiring. Yeah, this is a dude that like, oh my God, everybody's probably seen him somewhere, whether you've noticed it or not, on like an iPod commercial or or something. This dude's collabed with like Versace, Yo-Yo Ma, like just gotten to places that, Straight up, like dance didn't really have that type of conversation or relationship within these places before. And, you know, for me personally, just even as a, a dancer myself and a fan of it, I just wanted to peek inside the mind and ask, you know what I mean, from a dude that's been doing it, like, what what is it about this guy, you know, that like gets him to these places? Um, because the talent is, you know, undeniable, but it's always the person that is capable of truly transcending and getting to different places. So, you know, you're going to get some really profound and also simple kind of revelations on what this guy did to get where he got. And it's just an honor to have him here. So hope you enjoy this pod. And folks, welcome back or welcome to Kinja's Movement in the Shadows. We are your host, Ben. And Anthony. And as always, we have an incredible guest in the pod today. We have artist, dancer, choreographer, model, entrepreneur. He's collaborated with artists such as Yo-Yo Ma, Alicia Keys, Madonna, Janelle Monet, just to name a few. He's worked with brands such as Nike, Chanel, Versace, and Apple Music, also to name a few. He was a guest judge on So You Think You Can Dance in 2014. He was presented with the Wall Street Journal's Innovator of the Year Award. Currently, he's producing multiple stage shows, which culminate the essence of dance as a tool to change the world. Folks, we have Lil Buck in the pod. Pew, 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 pew. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> she. You hit, she. Us, hit us with the she. Hey, that was quite an introduction. Hey, that's well, quite a life that's, you got, man. Yeah, that's all you, bro. <laughs> Well, man, thank you uh, for good to be here. yeah, good thank to be you here. for stopping through. This is your first time in the pod. Yeah, it's your man. first time. So, as a first time guest, we always love to get to know the person, their origin stories of uh, where you grew up and all that good stuff. So, can you kind of walk us through the origins of Lil Buck? No doubt. Yeah, I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. So, I was born in Chicago on the west side of Chicago, and uh, my family, my mom moved to Memphis when I was around like seven years old. 
So I was just raised in Memphis, Tennessee. Just you know, that's where I got everything pretty much. That's why I learned how to dance. That's why I got you know my whole artistic side of me. You know, kind of just blossomed from Memphis. What uh, what age did you kind of start exploring dance? I mean, I've always been just moving around as a little kid, but I really got into dance around the age of 13 years old. You know, my sister, actually one of my oldest sisters, uh, she was a dancer. She was a majorette. Is there majorettes in Majorette. L.A.? What's a majorette? I don't, I don't know what that oh, is. Oh, okay. So in schools, like, you know, high school, whatever, they got these majorettes. This is like a group of female dancers that, you know, they usually use the batons too as well. They twirl the batons. Okay. And yeah, then yeah, yeah, they yeah, do yeah. these different steps. Right. And they're, they're dancing to the drummers, the uh-huh. drum line that, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. part of the school. So they're majorettes. And my sister was a majorette. She was like the captain of her team. But she was also just a good dancer in general. She pretty much got me into dance. How much older is she than you? Man, she's like three years older than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she just always loved doing different types of dance. She did hip hop. She was a majorette. She did all types of stuff. And uh, she just inspired me growing up because, you know, we we just grew up with a lot of hardship and we was like, you know, extra poor and we didn't have anything. So like uh, dance is one of those main things that kept us happy. Mm-hmm. And she always just, there was always something that we had, you know, of our own because we were the only two dancers in the family that would really just, you know, enjoy dancing like that. So, you know, that's something we shared together. And, and your parents supportive of it, just kind of down to let you guys do what you guys wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, because it's just a hobby, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we were just kids dancing. So, back then, it wasn't a big deal. My parents didn't mind it at all. You know, it was, you know, it was just something for us to do. Right. As far as work-wise, that's another story when I yeah. got older. Yeah. But, you know, when we was young, it was, you know, that, that, that was just the thing we do. Were you, uh, like, how was schooling and all that? Did you go to school, college, or any of that? Uh, graduated from high school. Went to some different public schools. Wasn't doing good in public school because I was, I would never diagnose, but I feel like I had ADHD. I just, you know, I just couldn't pay attention because mm-hmm. my mind was always floating to, you know, something dealing with dance or movements or anything like that. And um, I actually got in a lot of trouble, man. I used to, I used to get into fights and stuff. I was hanging around the wrong crowd. In so, high school. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, high school. And, um, so my mom moved me to this school called Yo Memphis Academy, and Yo is a abbreviation for Youth Opportunity Memphis. So it was Youth Opportunity Memphis Academy. It I was, was waiting a, for that to be the abbreviation for Yo Yo Ma, but it didn't. Yeah, but it was um, it was a visual and performing arts school. We don't have a lot of those in Memphis at all. Mm-hmm. It was like probably the second performing arts school we had in the whole city. My mom got me into that because my GPA was just borderline good enough to get into that school. Mm-hmm. That's when I really started to see the whole artistic side of dance and just that it was people out there like me who were just, you know, who had a gift, but that gift was being, you know, polished and, you know, they was able to hone in on their gifts because yeah. in public school in Memphis, it's a lot of distractions, man. You got, I mean, people just grow up fast out there. It's a mm-hmm. hard place to live, right? So you got a lot of um, people who have, you know, parents that live hard lives and then that you know that just trickles down to their to their kids and then the kids go go to school and acting crazy or fighting and doing all types of stuff like that so you know we just had to grow up with tough skin and go to school with a you know and just wear this armor you know if mm-hmm. you would but like in that visual and performing arts school it was it was a place where i could just you know take that you know let that armor come off mm-hmm. for a bit and be able to be who i really was so 
that was that's where I started to just polish my dance and really was, was yeah. there um in terms of your dance in terms of styles that you kind of naturally gravitated towards i would imagine hip-hop was probably there's a dance style in memphis called memphis jookin right yeah. and that's my predominant dance style and we never considered that hip-hop i don't know uh, why like i think it's because it the music that memphis jookin came from was memphis underground rap music and memphis jookin started in like the late 80s right mm-hmm. like going into the early 90s and during that time, like, yeah, I mean, I think hip hop inspired a lot of the music that was happening, but we, what we did to that music was different, right? So what we did was like, we slow the music down or make it like a, or, or, or take certain samples of hip hop and make it, and we had this era in Memphis called horrorcore, right? Mm-hmm. Of music. It's called horrorcore, like horror, like a horror film. Mm-hmm. So they take like samples from horror films and like, and like different hip hop songs and slow them down and make them sound like, you know, Just crazy dark. and yeah, dark. Yeah. And that was that whole vibe in Memphis and with those beats and how they did those 808s and just snares and that, and those triple and those triplets and the hi-hats and things like that and how they brought it all together and 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 had those gangsta just horde, you know, um you know, just samples and yeah, just all like, of it together just made us move a certain way and that that helped create the dance style because mm. we had a specific bounce that came with that. Memphis Jookin is definitely what I also know you for, you know what I mean? And it's definitely like you said, the dance that you put up the most. I see in the description of like the the shows that you've been putting out together and stuff like that, you're bringing like the culture and the history and you're 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 definitely putting like this flag of Memphis, you know, on your back and you're carrying mm-hmm. it very very well and proudly. How, how important is it for you to like, you know, be kind of an ambassador for both like the Memphis joking like style and culture and also just for the the city they grew up from because I think in all of those places there's also a connection to maybe the hardships that you were facing or running into and how dance was uh, both an introduction and escape to that lifestyle. Absolutely. I appreciate that. It means the world and I feel like it's a part of my um, it's my duty <laughs> in a way you know it, it's uh, it's something that I have to do because me being somebody first of all like not born in Memphis but raised in Memphis so I consider myself from Memphis, but still, like being somebody who who came into Memphis and and discovered this world for myself, and just you know saw all the value of it, but also got to appreciate the culture of it. You know what I'm saying? And the lifestyle of it, from like the spinning rims to just like how people just come together and do this thing, and um and how it's such a big part of people's lives in Memphis. Like, people live Memphis Jookin. You know, my mom used to gangster walk. Like, it's a lot of people. Oh, yeah. So, it's a, so like, people grow up into this and people live that culture. Memphis Jookin is just not a dance style. It's a culture. So, I feel like it's my responsibility to pay homage to it and to always try to put it on a map because it gave me so much, you know? Uh-huh. Back when I didn't know who I was as a person in general or a dancer, you know, back when I was still trying to find myself, it helped me find who I was through that movement. Like I said, I was getting a lot of trouble before in school and all that. And I just, you know, my life is going in so many different directions, but I was also, you know, it was weird because I was getting a lot of fights, but I wasn't causing the fight. So I was pretty much getting bullied, (laughs) you know, I used to get bullied back in the day just because I wasn't from the city, you know what Mm. I'm saying? So like, I had to go through a lot of that. I had to go through a lot of hardships in general within my family and outside of my family and all of that. You know, and growing up with a my mom, you know, growing up with a single mom, you know, uh, she 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 was just doing all she can to survive. So she had so many jobs that she had to work. So I didn't have a lot of family time with my family. You know, like 
I was just thankful that that culture of Memphis Jookin welcomed me with open arms, you mm, know, mm. no matter what background I, I came from, no matter what I like, no matter if I was born in Memphis or not. So that was my family, you know. Mm. Just and how did how does culture. one get welcomed into that? Like you just see some gangsters walking Oh, you get the jumped street. in, bro. You get jumped you get in. No, jumped no, in I'm j- no, I'm <laughs> no, I'm joking. You don't get jumped in. <laughs> Thankfully, you don't get jumped in. For me, what happened was, and my personal story and how I got involved within the culture was, we had these DVDs that used to circulate in the city, right? So, like, you know, people was hustling, yeah. you know, trying to make a living. So, like, these jokers were actually making DVDs of themselves, recording themselves in the clubs or recording themselves in different skating rinks, just bumping. You know, just just dancing and doing a thing like some of the goats was doing this, like, you know what I'm saying? Back in the day. So like these DVDs would circulate just around different neighborhoods because Memphis is a small, you know, it's it's not that, you know, everybody almost everybody knows somebody that knows somebody in Memphis. Right. So Mm -hmm. like these DVDs would circulate. And back when I was just a beginner joker, just trying to learn a little bit, because, you know, how I discovered it was my sister came home from school. And um, when she was in high school, it was my last year in uh, middle school. She came home from school and she was doing this little joking routine. And I, and I it just blew my mind. And then she was like, yeah, my friend Zephaniah taught me how to joke. And then she taught me that routine. <laughs> and I was just stuck ever since, right? Yeah. So I've been just trying to learn it through her. But then these DVDs would circulate. And then I got a hold of this DVD called Crash the Club, right? And this DVD called Crash the Club was... You know, it had the goats on there. It had Daniel Price, you know, known as DP. And it had uh, Gino, the legend before me, like super legend before me. I actually adopted a lot of my style from Gino, from watching mm-hmm. Gino, because he was crazy flexible with his legs and everything. Rest mm-hmm. in peace. He passed away uh, not too long ago. Yeah, these guys were on this DVD. G-Nerd, like a lot of these famous jokers that a lot of people know now. Lil Black, all these people was on this DVD going crazy, right? And... um. And that is how I got inspired to keep it going. And, you know, I got to watch these guys. But it wasn't until my friend Young Jay, who was a uh, a music artist in Memphis, but he also was the person. I mean, I, it was a lot of people documented, of course, but he was the guy that said, you know what? I'm going to invest into a camera to actually document this culture to write, you know, in a way where that was everybody a big gets back to in appreciate the day. it. The, the one because, dude that was like, I'm going to invest in the camera. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, because he was like... This is crazy, you know. Mm. This, this is something that people gotta see. Right. Like people need to know about this, not just like us in this, you know, subculture of of Memphis. And, and you know, he was just like everybody in Memphis need to know about this. So he started to record it. He wanted to make an official Memphis Jukin DVD, like of all the different Jukers in different neighborhoods, whether you're from South Memphis, North Memphis, East Memphis, West Memphis. So like, he wanted to put together a f- official Memphis Jukin DVD. So um, he held. He got in touch with all these different jokers, and I met him. I, I was introduced to him from his sister, and then um, he asked me to be on that DVD. What happened was there was this huge session that we had outside this parking lot, because we used to just dance in parking lots or garages and stuff. So he had this big session outside this club parking lot in Memphis, and at this session, it was all the jokers from north, south, east, west we came, came here. Like all the big name jokers, all the legends, everybody came out. And that was my first introduction to them, you know, in the culture. I was just a little kid just trying to, you know, do what mm-hmm. I can back in my neighborhood. I'd never seen these guys until then. And all this stuff is on YouTube too. It's crazy. It's called Memphis Jookin Volume One. If anybody wants volume to, Volume One. Yeah, you can look. You can YouTube Memphis Jookin Volume One. So like all these guys was on that, you know, in that one session and. I just, you know, 
I prayed to God that nobody would uh, <laughs> would laugh at me. And I just went out there and just started doing my thing. And then, but my style was still unpolished. It was so much I had to learn, but I went out there and did my thing and everybody went crazy because my style was so different. And that's when I was, you know, introduced to, you know, the people like Dr. Rico and Daniel Price and G-Nerd and all them. Everybody was there. Bobo, one of my biggest inspirations. You mentioned that, you know, as you were growing up, you kind of, you kind of got into trouble, right? Like you, yeah. you get into fights and things like that. And do you feel like the Memphis Jokin community was what you were kind of gravitating towards in terms of like you feeling accepted, right? Like you were like, I pray to God that no one's going to laugh at me. But like, mm -hmm. you know, not only did they not laugh, they're like, yo, this kid's kind of nice. And like, they, they kind of took you in. Do you feel like that sort of like sense of belonging to a to a community was what kind of drew you out of that sort of like you know, kind of getting into trouble lifestyle oh. into like, you know what, I'd rather be with these folks. It's positive here. I'm like a, a thousand percent. And I mean, don't get me wrong. It wasn't that easy in the, in the jukin culture either <laughs> yeah. to get it. You know, I was accepted as far as like them being like, all right, you got a little something. But I still had to work my ass off, mm -hmm. you know, to really be, you know, seen as an authentic Memphis Jukka, you know, like uh, I had a lot to learn. Like I said, I couldn't even bug jump right. You know, I couldn't even do some of the basic moves that you got to do in Memphis Jukka when I first went out there and, threw, you know, threw myself in the in the lines then. Mm -hmm. So I went through a lot to get real, to get the respect in the, within the culture from the people that I wanted to get respect from. But yeah, man, I, I say like that really being a part of that community and having that, you know, camaraderie with all of those guys that I looked up to and being able to have that communication with the people I looked up to and those guys that I would watch on these DVDs and just praise and idolize, just being in their vicinity and being able to go over to their house and learn from them. That was, man, I that was a blessing for me. A lot of people don't, even in Memphis, you know, back then, a lot of people didn't get that opportunity. Yeah. And um, so I didn't take it for granted at all. So like, yeah, a lot of my time I was just spent with these guys instead of doing what I used to do, you know, hanging around certain folks because I was hanging around a lot of, you know, just gang members and stuff like that on the everyday. We weren't, you know, we were just, we weren't doing nothing but mm -hmm. smoking weed and fucking and, yeah. and chilling and doing the same shit every day, right. you know, and causing trouble. So when that group, you know, accepting me, then I was just like, oh, yeah, I got to go, y'all. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm headed over here. Right. You know, I so I, yeah, I, it definitely kept me out of trouble. It, de it definitely, um, you know, gave me something productive to do, you right. know, with my life every day. And, and yeah, it made me realize that I actually had something that was, you know, I mean, it made me realize I just had something in general. It made me realize that I existed, you know, mm. in a way that I never knew I, I, I could. So it gave me a lot just, you know, having that camaraderie. At what point did you realize that uh, dancing wasn't just like a passion of yours, but it was something that you wanted to kind of make a bigger part of your life to even pursue it professionally was there was there a, a person or was there some sort of a turning point where it was kind of like the light bulb moment of like i'm gonna i'm gonna go for this yeah well I, like i said i started when i was 13 and i think i started to get really good at it within a few years because i was just like tirelessly just training my ass off like sun up to sun down but um i think when i was around 16 going on 17 or something i was I was really good in Memphis and I was fearless and I was, you know, just battling people left and right. I would go to different people's neighborhoods and battle them. Like, I was just like, I didn't care. Like, hmm. when I was around, yeah, 16 to 17, my cousin Miles Yachts, he, he was, he, he was a joker too. I kind of introduced him to Memphis joking 
Uh, but he did like hip. He he was into hip hop dancing, you know, just like you know choreo and all the other stuff like that. He actually got me involved in a company out in Memphis called Subculture Royalty, and it was a group of all girls. And he was like, "Hey man, join this group. Join this group with me, man." And the dance coach for that group actually was the dance teacher at Yo Memphis Academy, my my mm-hmm. high school I went to. And he was like, and he went to the same high school I went to. So he was just like, join his group, me, man. I was like, man, it's a group full of girls. He was like, yeah, exactly. Like, it's like, duh. Oh, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> I had to open my eyes. I was like, oh, oh, it, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. We gonna just chill in the back, you know? But he got me into, you know, just choreo and all that stuff like that. And I was, so I was able to learn and pick up on choreo fast, you know, just, just from being a part of that group and you know I got him into Memphis Jooking and we just we became a duo we became a dynamic duo and we got good really fast so like that's when I started to see the potential of it like as far as like what I can do with it and that it's something missing you know and then YouTube came and then YouTube came about you know what I'm saying and then people started uploading videos and then you know some videos of us Memphis Jooking was uploaded and that's thing you know we start seeing videos of people in 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 we're in Iceland or or certain places around the world that you wouldn't imagine dancing to Memphis music, trying to jump. Mm-hmm. And we was just like, the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> like people really fucking with it like yeah, that, yeah, you know? Yeah. So like, we was like, Oh man, this, this might be bigger than what we think. And it was a lot of people within the culture that knew we had something going on. And I knew, I knew it was something special about it because I used to look up to Michael Jackson and I still look up to Michael. I mean, he's still one of my biggest inspirations. But like, I thought that you just had to be him, or you had to be some like somebody like. I, I just thought he was just special the way he moved because I didn't have a lot of access. Like I said, we didn't have TV or nothing like. But I mean, we didn't have cable or anything like that. But I had some Michael Jackson tapes when I was younger, and I used to just watch him religiously and be like, "Man, can't nobody move like that but him." And then mm-hmm. when I saw these guys gliding on fucking concrete. Like like nothing with baggy jeans on and goes in their mouth and looking <laughs> like the people I wanted to look like and I was just like, yo, these motherfuckers is gliding like that and dancing like that and moving like that. I thought Michael Jackson was the only person that could do stuff <laughs> like this. So I was just like, nah, this is definitely something. People don't know about this, you know. And so that's when I really knew that this was a special dance style. But like when I got older, like around sixteen, seventeen, like I said, that's when. I started to think, I think I can do something with my life. I think it's something that we we can make some of our lives with this. This one just got to be a hobby, you know, because every that's that was the golden era. When I was like 17 was the golden era, I would say, of Memphis Jooking when everybody was trying to put it on the map in Memphis, right? Like you had people like this guy named Tarek Moore, who was an OG Memphis Jooker. He opened up the first Jooking Academy first jooking school in memphis he saved all his money opened up a jooking school called you dig jooking academy so we had the you dig jooking academy popping we had young jay making jooking dvds trying to get it out there we had people on the news that wanted to bring us in to talk about memphis jooking and what we had in the city so we was on the news doing interviews about the culture like it was a moment when the culture was really getting you know some headway within the city and and you know outside the city as well like i said on youtube People wanted to learn the style. People gravitating towards the style in other countries. And we knew that we had something special about it. And that's when I started to think. And I got with my cousin. We, I was like, man, 
we got to try to find a way to to make something of this. And then I think we was just like sub, subconsciously using the law of attraction, you know, in our yeah. favor, <laughs> just like waking up every morning thinking about it and thinking about different ways, trying to think about different ways on how we going to do it. And just telling all our friends who thought we was crazy in high school, man, we gonna be the, man, we gonna be the first famous motherfuckers in, coming <laughs> out of this school with this dance shit, and everybody like, get the hell out of here. We like, all right, watch. But um, what really made me know that we had something special was when I was flown out to L.A. for my first time flown out to L.A. I was around like I think I was I was eighteen or something like that. I was like eighteen years old, and this is when. MySpace was popping still, you know? <laughs> so, like, it was this lady named Suzanne Lovejoy who reached out to me on MySpace because her daughter saw one of my video, my first Memphis Jukin video that I put out on YouTube called Chopping Like That. She saw that, thought it was amazing, told her mom about it. Her mom, Suzanne Lovejoy, she was a, um, she had her own production company, her own, like, and she was producing this, she had this artist under her company. And she wanted to do a music video for him. So she reached out to me on MySpace and was like, yo, my daughter showed me your videos. I think your dancing is phenomenal. I want to know if you're available to come out to LA to do a music video for one of my artists. For like, we'll fly you out for like three days. We're still working the kinks out, but you know, let let us know. It was a lot of stuff like that happening, but then people not coming through back in. But mm-hmm. I just had a feeling about it. So I was like, all right, cool. But I ain't gonna do it unless you fly my cousin out to <laughs> because I was just like because we sure, was yeah. we was really right. hard on that we right. was like bro we gonna do it together we ain't gonna do it at all like right. fuck it like we was like that like click tight so like she was like okay show me some of his stuff and then I sent her his stuff and she was like oh hell yeah I want both of y'all so like I was like I bet so we stayed in touch with her for about a half a year bro before like anything happened and then she finally flew us out after that and so I came out to L A with him for like three days to shoot this music video and the reaction that we got from people you know out in LA with us doing our dance style with us doing Miffy Jukin the reaction was just crazy we was mm-hmm. just like unicorns in another world hmm. to them you know what I'm saying yeah. people were just like what the fuck is this how are y'all moving like that like it was that's when like you know it was just like popping and b-boying that yeah. was the thing mm-hmm. that was the street dance that was the go-to street dances in, in la right it For was sure. like popping b-boying and nobody was doing nothing like how we was doing it with mm-hmm. memphis jukin and memphis jukin you know we was able to do this to different types of music you know not just memphis underground rap music but any music that had a hard-ass beat you know that was bumping so we was out there slamming they shit, you know, mm-hmm. just dance. We was killing they music, and uh, they was they just fell in love with it. And then, you know, me and my cousin, we fell in love with the women, with the weather, with everything <laughs> out in L.A. We, and then how they was just taking taking it in, like, yo, y'all got something. Like everybody was just in our ear, like, I can't believe y'all can move the way y'all move. That's crazy. Y'all ain't never thought about doing this and that or doing no. Commercials were getting signed with the agency and this and that. We was like, man, we ain't got none of that shit in Memphis. So like, <laughs> yeah. it was so crazy actually on on that set for the music video. Suzanne had to hire two. She hired two other dancers, right? And they saw us, and they was just like, "The fuck you got us here for? These guys." <laughs> and they 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 was like, "Nah, I don't want to be in a music video next to them." <laughs> so they end up just being cool. They were just cool people though, but they were just like, nah, y'all got it, bro. Y'all got it. Y'all do it. Yeah, I don't want to be next to y'all. Y'all gonna make us look crazy. So like, <laughs> but these two guys, they stayed in touch with us and they was, they was, we just made them believers. They was just like, 
man, y'all got to come out here in L.A. and do the damn thing. Y'all saying y'all ain't got no opportunities like that in Memphis. You got to come out here in L.A. Y'all to take over. So, like, I stayed in touch with one of those guys, and I stayed in touch with him for about a, a whole year. And then he ended up saying, you know what? I showed my fiance your videos. Me and her watch it every morning religiously. I was I just want to help you out, man. And if you want to come out here, you can stay with us. With me and my fiance, you can stay with us. All you got to do is teach me a little beginner Memphis chicken, <laughs> you know, every morning. And that's it. You ain't got to pay no rent or nothing. And then I was like, dang, that's crazy. Should I do it? Because, oh my gosh. <laughs> because at that point in my life, I was like 19 years old. I had got into ballet because when I went back to Memphis, me and me and my cousin, we knew we had to do something. And for me, I was always trying to think ahead. Like, if okay, I didn't want to just be the best Memphis Jugan. I wanted to be one of the best dancers. Like, I was just like one of those guys mentally. So I was just like, in order to do that, I got to learn different styles of dance. I got to learn how to do choreo. I got to learn how to do all this stuff that I'm in right now. So, like, I got into this ballet school out there, you know, took classes there, learned how to do ballet. I was a part of that company for about three years. I think I started doing that when I was 16. So I got I stayed with them for like three years doing that. And then within that ballet company, we was learning, like, they was bringing people in from, like, the Martha Graham company to teach us. So we was learning from Twilight Tharp. So we was learning, like modern all type of shit within that little one umbrella and at the same time i was doing hip-hop with subculture royalty and i was joking you know i was going back mm -hmm. with my homies in the streets and, and bumping so i had all these different dance styles and cultures just being introduced to me i just let myself be a sponge to that and i felt like i was ready but then you know it was a it was a thing where i was making good money at the ballet company too because i had got a scholarship to take ballet but at the same time i was a company member so I was a part of that company and this guy offered me a one-way ticket to come to LA. And I was like, and we was getting ready for a big show. And she, you know, the company, you know, the, the artistic director of the ballet company, she flew this famous choreographer out from France or something like that to work with me or whatever. And I was just like, okay, should I just jet and dip or should I just <laughs> stay with this, you know, just keep it going here comfortably with this, you know, cause I'm making money, I'm doing this. I'm finally, you know, doing something with it, but it's not what I was the, it, right. it wasn't what I was really passionate about, you know, just being a company member at a ballet company. It wasn't what I really wanted to do. So I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to just go. And my mom, everybody was scared shitless. And they was like, what? You going to do what? And I only had like a hundred bucks my mama gave me, <laughs> you know, and I, and I just made that move. And right. I, I only knew that guy from like three days and kept in touch with him for a year. And then I just, you know, took that leap of faith and took that big risk That's and wild. moved out to LA and that was the beginning of it. I had to start all over, you know, with the grind and, but that was the beginning of that grind. And, um, what I got from that was just like, man, we just got to take risks and you got to like, you got to invest in yourself and you got to take risk. You know what I'm saying? You can't like, you can't really play it safe. If you want to make your, if you got big dreams and you want to make them come true, you got to like, you just got to go for that shit. No, man, man that's, a, that's a captivating story, you know, and, um, you know, context for everybody who's still is sleeping under a rock and doesn't know Lil Buck, you're one of the most celebrated movers out in the game in general. I, I'm not talking about just Memphis Jukin, like, again, you, like, there's not a lot of dancers out there going to be doing like a collab with Versace, you know, I mean, you went to like the it's highest great. echelon of things like fashion and, and high class luxury industry stuff that like you don't normally associate you know what i mean uh, with things like dance and, and let alone the hip-hop conversation or joking or anything like that For what sure. i i find interesting or really captivating is that 
the story, whether it be like popping or breaking or anything like that stylistically, is similar to a lot of things that maybe have been in the realm of conversation for aspiring dreaming dancers, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it be like, you know, just putting themselves out there, like meeting some of their idols at some sort of jam in a parking lot or whatever, and actually trying their best to like getting that that acceptance into a community, but then taking it seriously and actually going to like OG's houses and doing what you got to do to like put in the work for years at a time until you're respected, battling everybody in their neighborhoods and then taking a leap of faith to move to LA. Like those are all kind of variables of stories that I feel like many dancers around the world, even dancers who listen and follow us, they hear that and that's kind of a roadmap. But, you know, the few that actually make it do something very, very fundamentally different. And like you said, it's the ones that truly invest in themselves and then take giant, giant leaps of faith and risk. And like that, I feel like is a true measure of difference of what got you where you are versus just another dancer who might be really good or like has found themselves in a similar storyline, but maybe they just didn't take a big enough risk. Maybe they didn't invest enough into themselves. Maybe they didn't work hard enough in the same passion and fire because your story sounds familiar, but what you've been able to accomplish is not familiar. It's very mm. rare. It's very unfamiliar. It's very unique. Very like something is, is super inspiring. You know what I mean? And that's what makes it captivating to me. The fact that it's a familiar story, but one of a, the highest levels of success in example that I've seen. You know what I mean? And that's what yeah. I'm almost trying to like myself as a dancer. I'm looking at you. I'm like, what's the difference? What did this guy do? You know what I mean? That like got to those it, places. I don't even know why this was like so interesting to me. Like you're, you're, you're risking even be like, yo, I'm going to take ballet and I'm going to be in this ballet company. Cause that seems yeah. random, right? If, if you're, if you're kind of used to like a certain dance style that you're comfortable with and you, you kind of like, yeah, this is the thing that I want to do. Hanging around thugs and all this other yeah. shit. And you're like, and you know what, I'm going to ballet. All of a sudden yeah. ballet comes in. It's and a you're little like, bit of a stretch. Right. And, and like, but, but for you, the focus was, I want to be the best dancer in the world. So like, if it's this style or that, unless I know the style, I'm not going to become the best dancer in the world. I got to know as many styles as becomes available to me. And so like what I'm just receiving from you is like, dude, a ton of your passion. But I'm just like, man, this dude is really focused on what he wants. And that's why I feel like and we haven't even gotten into all the the amazing, the stuff, the amazing right? work yeah. that you've done, man. But I'm like, going to tell you just on some real shit that I probably never shared with anybody. So this is like my first time actually talking about this. Growing up. In Memphis, like I said, I had ADHD. I felt like, and then I, I didn't feel like I belonged for a while before I got into juking and stuff like that. And, um, and you know, used to get bullied and all this stuff, but used to get in fights, all the other stuff like that. But um, I, I failed my grade. I failed, um, I think I felt 10th grade because I wasn't, because of how unfocused I was in school. Honestly, growing up, and even being in LA for a while, like even in my early 20s, but actually growing up in Memphis, like around my 14, 15, 16, all that stuff, I thought I was dumb, bro. I honestly just thought I was stupid. And I thought that I didn't know enough to excel or at any at anything else. Other, I, I felt like the thing I knew most was dance. Mm-hmm. I said, if I don't know shit else, I know how to fucking dance. Mm-hmm. So this is where I'm gonna put my time and efforts into because this is 
where I know who I am. You know what I'm saying? And I know what I can do. And can't nobody ever tell me shit about shit else otherwise, you know, because I know the effect I have on myself, on, my, on people when they see me dance and all of this. So, like, if I was too stupid to hold a conversation with you about anything else or or to learn what I had to learn in school, you know, and I had to work my ass off to graduate. But, like, even then, I didn't know what a, my next move was going to be because I felt like I wasn't smart enough to go to college. I felt like I wasn't smart enough to do a lot of these different things. And that was just me, you know, as a kid, just, you know, being hard on myself because, in, in you know, I'll never blame my parents or nothing like that because my mom had to work a whole bunch of jobs. But I used to when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I used to be like, fuck. How come my parents aren't the type of parents or my mom ain't the type of mom that just teach me life lessons or teach me how to do this or teach me how to do taxes or teach me how to do that? <laughs> because they didn't have time. My mama didn't personally right. have time for that shit. Mm -hmm. She had to fight to put food on the table and to keep a roof over our heads. And it was like four of us in the house. At one point, it was six of us because I got three younger brothers on my dad's side. That's a whole nother story. But like, like I said, I, I felt like. I didn't learn enough in life at the age I was I was at when I was dancing. And I feel like everybody around me was smarter than me. But I but so I was like, you know what? I'm going to be the best dancer. I bet I'm going to be the most talented motherfucker around it, it, anybody that's around me. So like I put a that's what my I was laser focused in that because that's literally all I felt I had. Mm -hmm. That's all I felt I had. Yeah. You know, in life in general. And if I didn't have that, then I wouldn't be shit. I felt like I'd just be nothing i would just be lifeless just floating around on earth and um so i had to put everything into that because that's that was yeah that was it what's up guys this is ben here dropping in to say we hope you're enjoying our chat with lil buck if you want to hear the second part of the conversation head over to the feed right now and part two is right there waiting for you